underground professor trying to get everything working i had to reboot reestablish everything it was crazy crazy i couldn't get anything going i couldn't get into the studio uh give me a few seconds here i'm knocking junk around Woo! that's uh you know what i think i'm gonna fix that those lights are bothering me all right that ought to be enough light huh yay okay How's that? That better? Now you get to see me in my full glory. Uh, let's see. That's probably okay. And we'll bring it up and move it a little. It's like in my eyes here. Yeah, we'll see. We'll do it this way. Okay. For everybody that's on Blog Talk, I apologize. I'm working with lighting right now. <laughs> okay. 
So, woo, the election's over. Are you glad? I'm glad. I'm tired, too. Oh, man. Okay. So, uh, tomorrow's a big day. I'm moving my super hot girlfriend to uh, a new apartment. <laughs> and it's uh, going to be a busy day. It's Veterans Day tomorrow. Thank you, Vet. Hug a Vet. And, uh, lots of free stuff for vets tomorrow. We're going to go to IHOP for breakfast. And we're looking at uh, Johnny Carino's for lunch. And either Applebee's or or um, something like that for supper on Monday night now. Monday night, if I'm not mistaken, I think that's the 14th, and that would be the night Golden Corral gives out a free buffet to vets. So, yes, make sure you take advantage of that. Bring your families and everything. Uh, I, I don't do these things because I get freebies. I do these things because they're trying to thank vets and I want to allow them that privilege. Uh, I know that may sound stupid, but, you know, if we don't show up, then that kind of is offensive, isn't it? <laughs> Better to have too many of us showing up. But when vets do, I, I encourage all vets to remember that this is a kindness on their part. We did what we did for the reasons we did it, not for free food at Applebee's, you know. So don't get mad if they run out of steak. Don't get mad if, you know, there's a limited menu. Just be polite, thank them, tip well. The waitresses and stuff are still humping their butts. And uh, and thank you for everybody that offers stuff. I'm getting up in the morning, hopping on my hog, and I'm going to go to Krispy Kreme and get me a donut and coffee. Then I'm going to join the kids for uh, breakfast at IHOP. Yeah, so busy day, and then we're moving. <laughs> I'm going to build up an appetite, and we're going to go to Johnny Carino's for lunch. So anyway, that's my mapped out plan. Today... Today is exciting, isn't it? It's a birthday, and we want to wish happy birthday to the Marine Corps. Now, the Marine Corps has been around for 240 years. And you have to ask yourself, what's the problem with the Marines? They're still, still, after 240 years, looking for a few good men. <laughs> You'd think they'd have found a few by now, but what the heck? What the heck? You are listening to the Underground Professor Radio Show, uh, the Institute of Advanced Studies at the Hermitage of North Texas's Liberal Conservative Studies also. And I sit high atop a double rainbow, gaily swinging my feet. That's right. And uh, And for the Marine Corps, we want to say happy birthday, and we'll do it this way. Hi. We heard it's your birthday. So we wrote you a song. It goes like this. It's your birthday. We'll make it seem right. We'll get the groove on. The party on night. And it's your birthday. You didn't tell us. But we still got to get along, fellas. Where are all the fellas? You're getting old. Is that a bold spot? Even though you've grown, we think you're still hot. It's your birthday. We'll make it feel right. We have to move on. It's your birthday. You didn't tell us, but we still got to get along. Still hot. 
gotta bring out the big guns. <laughs> out there takes into account just how pissed off we were. Now, there are some out there that are claiming it was a bunch of angry white guys, right? Well, you know, if we're not angry, then what's it going to take to get you angry? I don't know. I promise you this. I did not go to the polls and think for one second that I was going to vote because I'm white or that I was going to vote for any particular amendment or proposition or candidate because I'm white or because they're white or because they're not white. This, I truly do not understand how people can get up in the morning and live their lives dedicated to the concept of their skin color. I mean, I, I can't. It doesn't make any sense to me that people will actually make a decision because of their skin color. Like going to the polls and, and knowing that Hillary Clinton was a crook and a traitor. And yet they sit there and they think, well, I can't vote for Trump. I'm black. What the, what the hell does that have to do with anything? You're absolutely right. People who vote because of their skin color are racist. And they're the ones who normally are all running around, always pointing fingers and saying, you, you're a racist, you're a racist. I was called a racist because I said I was going to vote for Trump. So I asked them, I said, you mean because I'm not voting for the white chick, I'm a racist? They looked at me, they blinked, and then they went, yeah, <laughs> because they didn't know what else to say. Well, you know, because no one puts things in these kind of terms to these morons, ignoramuses, and idiots. And sometimes they're all in that category together. 
Honestly, how are you a racist for voting for a white dude instead of a white woman? They're both millionaires, multi, and uh, they're both white. They're both privileged. I honestly think, and as I've said it before, this election was not about voting for Trump for a lot of the voters. It was for voting for someone who wasn't an establishment Republican, wasn't an establishment Democrat, wasn't a progressive. It was about sending a message to the leadership of both parties. We're pissed off, we're disaffected, and we feel disfranchised. But they don't get this out there in Washington. They think we threw a temper tantrum. Remember what they said about us in 2010? I told these pollsters, one of them called me and I was actually talking to him. And I said, what, what model are you guys basing your questions on? I said, you guys sound like you're basing everything on the 2012 election and not the 2010. And they said, well, this is a, a general election for a presidential. This is not an off-year election. I said, yes, it is. <laughs> I said, I don't care if we're voting for president or not. The models that should be used for predictive uh, polling on this election's results should have been based more closely, not exactly, but closely to the 2010 election. The 2010 election, we fired 900 Democrats. We maintained the Senate and we picked up seats in the House as a Republican Party this election. That's not exactly unprecedented, but it's been a long time since a party's done that. It was unprecedented pretty much when the Republicans gained the House and Senate in 2010 and picked up all those seats. But Washington doesn't get it. Paul Ryan, on again, off again, Paul Ryan. He's like the spin cycle on the washing machine. You know, woof, 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 back and forth, back and forth. The Now he's supporting Trump again, as I knew he would. On our election night coverage, I pointed out, I was asked the question, do I think that Trump has to work with Congress or will Congress have to work with Trump? And, of course, I said, you know, I explained how they are both of the same level of power, that Congress is a co-equal branch to the executive branch, meaning that McConnell is a majority leader and Ryan is a speaker, each are half 50% equal to the president. Together, as Congress, they're co-equal to the president. Right now, I think the Republican Party in power in Congress needs Trump more than he needs them. If for nothing else, he can just go in there and do what Obama did, an executive order everything. He's going to have to do create executive orders to get rid of all of the unconstitutional executive orders of Obama anyway. It'd be better to do it through the right process. And I have heart to think that this is what Trump will do instead of just signing executive order after executive order. But So Paul Ryan comes out, and I didn't get the sound bite. I probably should have taken the time to do it, but I was spending more time trying to get into my own show tonight than I had for that. But the Paul Ryan speech, he starts talking about how this is a miracle, right? A, a miracle of political punditry by Donald Trump. And it was masterful. What he did was masterful. 
Um, he, well, he won. And he won against Hillary, who had the fix in, who had the media's help, who had government's help, who had the bureaucrats' help, who had all these government employees helping her run. This is no small feat that Trump won. You think about this, the entire system was arrayed against Trump. Even the leadership in the Republican Party, the establishment Republicans of the Republican Party, were arrayed against Trump. Now, Cruz gave Trump more campaign help than, <laughs> than Paul Ryan did, uh, or McConnell. But we have... Well, what do we have? We have a pretty interesting victory. A lot of places that voted for Obama, thousand vote shift went the other way to Trump. So I'm impressed. For those of you that have to talk to your moronic coworkers about the Electoral College, okay, Thursday's show. Wait, what's today? Today's Thursday's show, isn't it? Sunday show, <laughs> Sunday show, I will be going over the Electoral College for the first hour. And the second hour, we're going to hit the Ninth and Tenth Amendments. I promised to do that, but that show caved. I couldn't get into the show, and, uh, and we never recovered from that. So I'm going to do a show about the Electoral College for the first hour Sunday at 6 p.m. Central Texas time, and then the Ninth and Tenth Amendments. We're going to look at that. The Electoral College worked as advertised. The Electoral College did its job. And the Electoral College proved the brilliance of the Founding Fathers. If you look at the map of the Electoral College, you see nothing but red. Nothing but red. And uh, it's got some, you know, the left and the and the right coasts blue as usual. <laughs> and then a couple of spots like Colorado and New Mexico, right? And if you look, the places that had marijuana on the ballot seem to have gotten a lot more democrat votes out than than other states. And the reason for that is obvious, I should think. The electoral college did its job. Now, Hillary is credited with about 180,000 more votes in the popular vote. And people are running around singing and screaming and shooting each other and rioting because of this, because they feel cheated that Hillary lost. Stuck in the blue states. I, my, my sympathy, sir. Move to Texas. Help us fight to get the country back into a constitutionally federated republic. They're out there rioting over this oh, oh, because Hillary got 180,000 more votes in the popular vote. Let me suggest something to you, and, and we'll go into these details greatly on Sunday. Allow me to suggest to you that if you go and you look at California and you see how many illegal aliens have official ID cards that were issued by California sanctioned government agencies, then 
they were allowed to vote because they had these official ID cards. Anyone who wants to come and debate me over the popular vote count has to get past that hurdle first. The illegal alien vote count, all the fraud that was going on in all of these precincts, do not tell me that a mere 180,000 votes is enough to make you think that's great. And let me tell you this. If we were on a popular vote instead of electoral college, a mere win of 180,000 votes in a nation of 240 million would trigger a recount. It would, tr- it would not be an automatic victory, slam dunk, we're done, Hillary is going to get coronated. That would not have happened because there is not enough, there is not enough uh, votes there o- over this situation, okay? It's minuscule. It's, it's significantly insignificant, especially when you take in the fraud factors. The fraud factors make this something that, you know, and, and right, Democrats cheat by about 10%. If you recall, and that's good in memory, uh, JV, I brought up the Vegas odds makers who said that, that Trump was going to win by 12 points. But the Democrats were going to cheat by 10 points, meaning that Trump would win by two points. And he was pretty close, wasn't he? It was amazing. Look, if the Democrats really want to get the Electoral College on their side, they need to move some of their ilk, their deplorables, to a few other places. But see, they're all concentrated in these states, these very few states, and they're all concentrated in a couple of cities in these states. Even if you if you go down and you start looking at the counties in all these states, even the blue states have a lot of red in them. But why? Because there's Republicans living all over the place, but then these massive city centers, like New York is Republican. New York City is Democrat. Boom. It goes blue every time now. Why? Because there is so many stupid people living in New York City and by stupid I mean Democrat, Democrat, <clears throat> that they carry the day because of places like Manhattan and the boroughs. Yeah, we country folk. We <laughs> we don't need them. And the it, it's just I don't get how people analyze this stuff and don't see that right off the bat. I mean, I don't know. <clears throat> Perhaps it's because I can see the stitches on the fastballs when the Democrats throw them. Maybe I'm just so plugged into this that it it seems obvious to me. In fact, it is so obvious to me that most of the time I don't even think about bringing it up or talking to you. Feed them beans? (laughs) Mm. Well, we can't feed them beans or there'd be ozone holes opening up all over these um, blue states. And, you know, from flatulence. uh, The yeah, and, and rural New York, that's exactly right. That's a great point. They live under tyranny because they can't do anything. There's not enough of them. They're out there living their lives independent, don't need government, and they can't function because the government is always tapping them for money to contribute to the inner city uh, leeches that live in these places because they vote for the right people, so they get money, and then New York comes up with all these stupid rules and stuff. And this goes on in California, Oregon, and other places. Right? 
Um, the Electoral College did its job. It protected a lot of the small states and made them relevant. Rhode Island, you know, Wyoming, Oregon, these, these, you know, Alaska, uh, uh, what's that out there, Hawaii, they, they were significant, insignificant in the Electoral College count. Not when you're looking at like 35 delegates in Texas and you only get five in Hawaii or three in Rhode Island, which is the minimum number you can have is three. The, you, California, 55. New York, somewhere around 28, 29, 30, something like that. Florida. If we did not have the electoral delegates, or electoral college, I need a cry room today. I heard that Yale was giving the students three days off to cry and whine. Yeah, and and by the way, they're also providing counselors for anybody that just can't go on with life because it's so tragic that Trump has been elected president. You know, I tell you what, anybody that shows up and wants to see a counselor and is crying over this election, what that should be, it should be a trick. It should be a Marine recruiting office that they go into, and they don't get to go back out. They have to go through the office and go into basic training and, and, and get whipped into shape, especially the men. I see these, not commercials, but TV news segments and stuff where, where grown men at college are crying over Trump's election. You know what? I was pissing off the Russians when I was that age. I was taking risks like you wouldn't believe at that age to protect this country and, and to gain information, uh, to protect our national security and to gain information from the enemy so that we could uh, do what we had to do if we had to do it. I don't have any sympathy for these crybaby whiny brats, you know. I'm sorry. Bunch of pussies. Go home. Go cry in mom's bathroom, you know, and, and, and down in the ba- in the basement or whatever, you know. Screw them. Uh, they piss me off, and I just, I just, I'm sorry. But how in the world, parents, can you raise a 20-something-year-old kid who cries because he didn't win? This is too many participation trophies from soccer. You know what we should do? I think the way that we should handle elections in the future is if you're a Democrat and you vote, we hand you this little one-inch trophy that says, congratulations, you voted today. You're a winner. So that no matter who wins the election, they can go home and put this trophy on the case with the 7,000 other trophies they got for simply showing up to stuff. And then their feelings won't be hurt. They won't need psychological counseling. They won't need, you know, uh, medication to change the soma levels in their brains. Yeah, I, we Republicans, we just need a lousy sticker. But I think Democrats need a trophy or or a medal or something, you know, that, uh, and that this way they can go to college and stuff. There are schools that are saying we're canceling canceling classes for the next two or three days. You know, they'll, they'll all come back Tuesday with their, you know, have a good cry, you know, go go sit there at home, grab some popcorn, a box of tissues, watch Hallmark movies all weekend, and then come back to school Tuesday 
ready to face the world again. God, help us. Would you hire someone like that? Would you want them affecting your business, your customers, your fellow employees? I wouldn't want to be anywhere near these people. In fact, this is why God invented sticks, so you could beat them when they walk past you. But not one state says, let's offer a blessing to our vets. Exactly. You know, uh, are they, you know these, these schools and stuff, they, they teach, uh, I'll see you Sunday. I'm sorry about the connection, buddy. <laughs> that, uh, the, they offer counseling to their students. I wonder if they would offer counseling to military vets who have PTSD and are on campus. You know, I, I seriously doubt it. Uh, I'm pretty sure they probably don't. But it is the pussification of America, and it's disgusting. It's the metrosexuals and the, and the fembots, you know, that have, have created this country. Not created the country, but have created what we're in now, this mess. And that's part of our problem. You know, these, these guys do not know how to be men. And so they can't lead. They can't be independent of government. And this was all done, of course, on purpose so that they would be dependent on government and need help over everything. That moronic woman, Hillary, did you see where their victory party was held? It had a glass ceiling. How... If you need anything to prove when I say that Hillary is symbolism over substance, and I believe I stole that line from Rush Limbaugh a long time ago, but I have said it many, many times, Hillary does not have substance at all. All she is about is about the accumulation of power and money, the accumulation of power and money. She is not a stateswoman. She is not a leader, and she doesn't offer us anything. To have your victory party in a place with a glass ceiling, not because it was the right size for the venue or you got a good price for it, simply so that the news cameras could show Hillary and then tilt the camera to the sky and show the world the glass ceiling and the symbology, voila, she broke the glass ceiling. Finally, we put someone with a vagina in the Oval Office. Yay for us, America saved. <laughs> exactly, King. Are you kidding me about this? A glass ceiling. And the media was so disappointed because they didn't get to do it. They were. Have you seen all these pictures of the media? It looks like while they were talking on the television, someone ran over their dogs right in front of them. Yeah, that's no worries, but I can't repeat it. <laughs> but you're right. I mean, honestly, what is going on? With any luck, the Clintons are retiring. Zazarina says that she has heard good news that they are going to retire from public life. That may be the deal that she cut with Trump, that if they retire and go the hell away, they'll be left alone. But if they get in our faces, if they do anything, then Trump should turn around and have a special prosecutor appointed. 
Someone in my Periscope the other day when we were doing it, maybe it was on election night, asked a, a question. It was a great question. If Hillary loses, who will she call first? A concession speech to, I mean, a concession phone call to Trump or a phone call to Obama for a pardon? <laughs> it was brilliant humor. Why? Because there's truth to that. I mean, you, you know, you start to think, really, which one would she call? If I was her, I would have called Obama first. <laughs> uh, and maybe she did because it took an awful long time for her to call Trump. And then when she called, the wicked little woman chose to call while he was giving his speech. They knew. Do you think they weren't watching Trump and his victory speech when he came out and, you know, to accept the fact that he had won? You know they did. Huma made the phone call, and it was ignored because they were giving a, a victory speech. So then they called later on and were put through. Obama, what did he do? He called at like something like 2 in the morning or something, if I heard right. I don't know. These people are rude. They're obnoxious. Trump, Hillary, key role. I have the truth.com. What's that about, Zarina? That, uh, the... Uh, Let's see. I have the truth.com. Rodney Lee Conover's breaking Trump offers Hillary T. Roll. I was going to, man, I wish I hadn't seen that because part of my thing tonight was to, to question if Hillary is going to be given an important role. And I thought, wouldn't it be interesting if nominates Hillary for the Supreme Court or for Attorney General? And I wouldn't be surprised about something like that. Because then she doesn't get prosecuted, right? Uh, to, uh, let's see. Clinton will assume the role of ambassador to Libya and will serve in the city of Benghazi. Okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> now I get it. That's fantastic. Chelsea should be offered the, uh, the position of ambassador to Libya. And <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> so, hmm. Uh, but I'm not joking. He is. That's a, that's a very good thing. You should go look it up. But I'm not joking. What if Trump does that? What do the Republicans do? Do they confirm her in any position? I mean, what position could she be? Every now and then, you know, Democrats like to appoint Republicans to be like Secretary of Defense because they know they don't have any clue. So they do this. Um, so what what position could he offer? And what comes of that? I don't know. It would be interesting to see if it happens. I hope it doesn't, because I don't want to have to have this debate or conversation with the libtards in this world. I don't want to, or cellmate, <laughs> there you go. Uh, quite honestly, Bill and Hillary should get, you know, uh, adjoining rooms at, at Leavenworth where they can, you know, have conjugal visits and stuff. But uh, they should be a way that, you know, they should. They say they're going to be leaving public life, fine. They shouldn't be in public life. They shouldn't have the choice of leaving public life. They should be in jail, making license plates for the rest of us that are driving. Hey, Taddy, welcome. I'm not scared to talk about anything. <laughs> Gets me in a lot of trouble, but I don't care. I've been in combat. 
once people shoot at you, having people yell at you just doesn't seem that big a deal anymore. But <laughs> uh, uh, you're welcome. Um, I mean, she she committed treason, high crimes and misdemeanors. This is not something that you sweep under the rug because you're willing to go away. The Clinton Foundation needs to be completely shut down, audited, and everybody involved in it thrown in jail. And and if Putin wants good relationships with America, then the first thing they should do is cough up the CEO of the Clinton Foundation who ran over and asked for amnesty from Russia. I would even uh, offer him amnesty, not amnesty, yeah, amnesty, what, immunity, if he comes over and spills the beans on the Clintons and shows where all the dead bodies are and, and all the, you know, all that. Uh, I'd be okay with that. I'd be really okay with that because I think that Chelsea and her hedge fund husband, when the Democrats hate hedge fund people, right? But why are the most of them Democrats? <laughs> uh, her hedge fund husband and her, I'm sure had something to do with the Clinton foundation and Hillary and, and, um, Bill, they all four probably should be in jail. And then Tim Kaine, I'm pretty sure he's a dirtbag too. I mean, he's been, you know, in trouble before for pay for play and stuff. Uh, Hillary has, you know, been accused of pay for play. So I think I think this should be pursued, not vindictively, but it should be preserved or pursued rather. And um, the if for no other reason to show the world that America is once again going to acknowledge the rule of law. Hillary Clinton herself, in a speech to people telling them why they should have voted for her instead of Clinton, I'm sorry, that's a Freudian slip, <laughs> why they should have voted for her instead of Trump, at her, at her concession speech, which took an entire day and was delayed four or five times before they actually did it, and I understand the reason why it took Hillary so long to have her concession speech was that she had a lot of emails to get to, and she didn't have time to do the concession speech. But in the speech, if you've heard it, she talks about how important the rule of law is and that no person in this country is above it. And my jaw dropped, not because she said it, because the useful idiots in the Democrat Party are buying it. They're clapping. They had anything to do with the rule of law or or no man's above it. That's the entire campaign Hillary ran was, I've got a vagina and I'm above the law. That was her entire campaign, people. And I ask you, why would we allow her to get off scot-free? People died. The military suffered. National security is not only suffered, it's at risk. There were people that were agents for this country in intelligence that were killed because the Iranians and Russians and others figured out who they were and silenced them forever. That's not trivia. This isn't vindictive politics because we won. And remember, Trump didn't come out with a speech and said, screw you all, we won, it's our rules. Who did that? Obama did that. That's right. Obama said that, not Trump. Trump stuck out the olive branch. 
The Democrats are all running around saying we got to get along. We need a transition, a peaceful transition, while they're doing anything but. It's a lie when they say it. They don't believe it. They don't mean it. It's for the consumption of the useful idiots, and it's to dupe the Republicans to thinking that once finally in our lives, Lucy will hold the football and Charlie will get to kick it. This is Clinton holding the football, hoping that Ryan McConnell and Trump are going to be stupid enough to think they're going to get to kick the ball. And sadly, I believe that McConnell and Ryan will believe it again. I'm not so sure Trump will after what he went through with her. I'm pretty sure he knows not to trust her any more than he could throw her. And I'm not sure anybody's strong enough to throw her. (sighs) Ryan gives us a dress and talks about the magnificent miracle of Trump's election. It's a miracle to Ryan because Ryan didn't believe that Trump could win. In fact, Ryan was out there campaigning in such a manner that it was Trump's going to lose, but we need to maintain the House and Senate, so help us. That's what he was doing. He should be fired. There is a new Congress being seated, and that new Congress must fire Ryan. And how about we pick a Speaker of the House that hasn't been there for over 20 years? How about we pick a Speaker of the House that has read the Constitution and believes in it and is willing to keep his oath of office? He should not be allowed to come back and be Speaker of the House again. No one owes him anything. And it's not automatic. Just because he was Speaker in the last session doesn't mean he's Speaker in this one. It's a new Congress and it gets a new speaker, and Ryan has to be voted on again. Vote him out. Do the right thing. Show this country and show our party that you mean business and that you mean your word this time, that you're actually going to do what we sent you to do. Because guess what? We'll fire your happy asses too in two years if you don't do it. This country has changed fundamentally. It was changed fundamentally by... Barack Hussein Obama or Barry Sorrento, your choice. And now it's going to be changed by people that are Trumpanistas and people like me that are constitutionalists. The establishment are dinosaurs. Their time is over in Congress. They are no longer relevant. And if the Trumpers and the constitutionalists can get their acts together and work together. We can defeat them, we can remove them, and we can save our country, and we can reestablish the constitutionally federated republic as it is supposed to be. We can revert back to enumerated powers. We can nuke and decimate the bureaucracy, and we can shove all this crap via the Ninth and Tenth Amendments back to the states. And we'll be talking about the Ninth and Tenth Amendments on Sunday show, second hour. Ryan goes on to say that why Trump won was because Trump heard a voice. A voice. Like Horton, here's a who. Right? Uh Who? Horton, here's a who. Trump heard a voice as Ryan says, and I believe I'm quoting him, that no one else heard. 
my first thought was, that voice was mine. But it wasn't really. It was all of us that have radio shows that promote the Constitution and the rule of law. That promote that we the people are the sovereigns of this country and not the political masters in Washington, D.C. The people who want an Article 5 solution. That is the voice this country was screaming. It wasn't silent. What Ryan means is that only Trump heard was that Trump was the only serious politician to respond to these voices. We have been screaming in the wind for years. And we were ignored, marginalized, and, and skullduggery and trickery in the parties to silence us. Go back and look at the last two party conventions for the Republican Party and look at the news about rule changes. Google that. Bing it. However you get your information. Go look at it. The rule changes. I had a heart attack every convention that's gone because I've been telling you about these stupid rule changes that were designed to create an establishment Republican candidate every time. They are floored in the Republican Party right now because they cannot figure out how we got around that. Every establishment candidate, and there were many of them out of that 17 running initially, were all eliminated. Who lasted? Who lasted to the end? The constitutionalist, Ted Cruz, and whatever Trump is. The outsider, the person who was not part of the problem in Washington, D.C., who hadn't been there for 30 years. That's who America thinks they've elected. That's who I hope we've elected. Trump didn't hear a voice no one else could hear. He bothered to listen to it, and then he responded to it. Perhaps he even agreed with it. But people like Ryan McConnell and what's his name, that idiot that was a speaker of the house before uh, Ryan, um, I've got, I dumped his name, thank the gods, out of my head because I no longer need it. But you know who I'm talking about. They heard the voice too. Ryan has heard the voice too. Boehner, that's right, Boner. Ryan has heard the voice. They didn't ignore the voice. They didn't choose not to listen to the voice and join the voice. They did their level best to undermine the voice. They did their level best to silence the voice. They did their level best to marginalize the people like me with that voice that were singing it out loud, telling people what's going on and what should be. And they marginalized us out of power in the party. They made it so that we couldn't do anything or that we were extremely limited in it. Now, that didn't happen too much in Texas, because most of the people in Texas in the Republican Party heard the voice. And this is why you're constantly hearing about how Texas is leading this country back to constitutional government, and independence, freedom, and liberty. And yes, freedom and liberty are two different things. This is why you constantly hear Texas at the forefront, because we hear that voice. We are that voice. I live in a county with zero elected Democrats. Zero 
elected Democrats in my county. <laughs> yeah, we have a lot of great minds, and they are sushed. They're, they're disfranchised by their own party. The Republican Party is flummoxed that Trump did an end around and got the nomination. They did their best to prevent Cruz from getting it. They did their best to prevent uh, Trump from getting it, but Trump got it. Then they threw a temper tantrum, you know, and they were they were basically no better than the crowd that was running around screaming, I'm going to move to Canada. You know what? I haven't heard anybody boarding planes at DFW or other major airlines to fly to Canada. Although during the election, I did hear that, and this is true, that the immigration websites of Canada on how to become a Canadian citizen <laughs> or to immigrate there, it crashed. Because there was a lot of inquiries. <laughs> yeah. You're watching the election results. And you honestly think, this isn't going well for Hillary. We're going to lose. And so you get on the computer and you type in immigration policies of Canada. Holy hell, what is, what is wrong with you? Leonard Cohen's dead at 82, singer-songwriter. Breaking news. May you rest in peace, Leonard. Uh, boy, there's a lot of music in this country because of him. <laughs> I guess it's not quite the day the music died again, but it's it's up there. None of them are leaving. None of these putrid human beings are leaving. Babs, what's her name, Barbara Streisand? She's not leaving. She can't leave. She's too busy wondering why her husband's cheating on her. Uh Miley Cyrus? I mean, you know, Hillary Clinton's out there saying how bad Trump was for the women of this country and an embarrassment to the Republican Party. And would you want your kids to have them as an example? Trump, explaining to your kids how he touches women's naughty bits. That's what guys do. But I, I, get, I get the argument there. I, I don't need to hash that out. But who does she embrace? Beyonce and Jay-Z or whoever these people are, you know, with their lyrics about niggers and their lyrics about mutilating uh, female genitalia and treating women like sex slaves. And, and Miley Cyrus is on stage wearing these stupid outfits and giant penises that she's humping on the stage of her shows. Now, that's quality family entertainment, people. And that's who she surrounded herself with to get votes trying to get votes from the Utes because she knows that most of the Democrat Utes are too stupid to figure it that Miley Cyrus is not wholesome any more than Trump is. I'm not putting Trump up as his virtue, a par paragon of virtue. I'm simply saying, don't say that Trump is too bad for this country while you are embracing and using Miley Cyrus and Beyonce and those people to campaign for you and to get out the vote. How stupid, what kind of disconnect is there in this country? It just blows my mind. I enjoyed going to work the day after the election. I truly did. But I went there magnanimously. I told you that, that uh, I was afraid that if Trump lost, I would have one miserable day. And I would have. Because they would not have shown me any mercy. But being conservative means a lot of things. And one of it means that you can be a good loser and a good winner. You can show sportsmanship. You can show decorum and respect. 
And I went there and was very good. I didn't gloat, laugh. People came by and said, I bet you're having a good day. And I said, you better believe it. Every Wednesday, somebody, usually a guy named Andy, but there's a lot of others that do it uh, because my name's Mike. And so they'll go, Mike, 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 what day is it? And I'll go, hump day. Right? Mike the camel. Yeah, I don't know. It's been an ongoing joke for a year or two at work. Every Wednesday it goes on. And everybody laughs when we do it. And <clears throat> I don't know why, because it's kind of stupid and retarded. But hey, it's funny. It makes people laugh. I'll do it. I have no problem being self-deprecating, right? I was happy as hell inside. <laughs> and, you know, if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. <laughs> I was like, Hercules, Hercules, Hercules. <laughs> but, but I go there. It's Wednesday, the day after the election. I'm brain dead tired from staying up. And and there, and Andy goes, Mike, 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 guess what day it is? And I went, it's Trump Day. <laughs> that, uh, that was my concession. That's the only thing I did in anybody's face was I called it Trump Day instead of Hump Day for Wednesday. thought I was very clever for that. I'm sure that was done a million places across the country, but but – I did it myself. I, I came up with it on my own without anybody else's help. <laughs> I thought it was funny. A lot of subdued people there. They weren't happy. They weren't crying, you know, because I work with adults. I don't know how many of you guys know, but Melman, you know, pretty smart guys, even if they don't have educations formally like I do. I mean, there's not a lot of, of Melman running around with PhDs, uh, but but they're smart. And there's a lot of things going on in your mind, you know, doing all that mail and the addresses and names and people. It's, it's, it, dummies don't tend to do this job and, and survive. And there are a ton of military in the, in the postal service. I can't remember the figures, but it's something like 63% of, of people in the post office are ex-military. So better than one out of every other person you see in the post office has been in the service. So when you think about disrespecting the people in the post office, don't run around on Veterans Day thanking us for the job we've done. When you spend the rest of the year bitching about us. How <laughs> uh, some of it's legitimately earned. Um, you know, there's bad people in any business. But anyway, the the thing that sticks in my crow about Paul Ryan is he thinks we're stupid. He honestly thinks we're going to buy what he said. Yeah, I've been, I was asked today by somebody that walked past me, he says, is it safe to go in there? And I kind of went, what? And he says, post-election, are you going to go postal? And I said, no, my guy won. <laughs> so I couldn't figure out why. why yeah, I guess he just assumed government employee, Democrat, you know, going to be upset, maybe angry. Uh, but yeah, so the thing that blows my mind, well, Mary says they can't be too smart if they voted for Hillary. And, and that's what blows my mind. You know, I, I have this group of people that we take a break with every day and I have for years and they always try to bait the bear. They try to get me going. I never initiate conversations, hardly ever. And I mean, hardly ever. I sit and I'll talk, I'll answer any questions asked of me, but I don't, I don't force my opinions on people. I've got a lot of them. i got a radio show. I don't need to go to work and make people see how brilliant I am. Uh, 
the you would think just by osmosis they would have absorbed some intelligence over the years from the things I've said. It's like they have this immunity to logic. Logic doesn't make you smart. You can be intelligent as hell and have zero logic capabilities. And that, uh, I mean, there's smart women, aren't there? <laughs> so, anyway, <laughs> you send, send your responses to Ken McClinton at the exceptional conservative show.com. <laughs> no logic, smart as hell. <laughs> so, yeah. Ryan thinks we're stupid. He actually thinks that we're going to uh, buy this crap. What Paul Ryan did was he saw the writing on the wall and he realizes that he may be numbered on the days he's going to be called speaker. Apropos. And so he's hoping that if he puts out this little olive branch and talks about how magnificent Trump's election was, which he didn't do anything to help, that we're going to think that he's part of the team. There's a lot of people in the Republican Party that are establishment rhinocrats that are out there running around congratulating Trump and pretending that they've been in the parade the whole time now. Don't fall for it. They saw the parade that Trump was leading, and they've run out to try and get in front of it to make the rest of us think they led it the whole way. They haven't. Exactly my point, King. And don't, don't buy this stuff. Ryan needs to be fired. In fact, he needs to be fired from Congress, not just the speakerhood. I'll accept that. That's enough. We don't have much time to get things right. When I saw that Trump, hey, Doc, welcome. When I saw that, yeah, Mitt Romney was one of those two, man. That's exactly right. When I saw that Trump was winning, or that he was going to win, I, oh, man, I thought my shirt was torn. That's my pocket. <laughs> uh, with teddy bears and lollipops, yes. When I saw Trump was going to win, the very first emotion I felt was relief. It wasn't relief because my guy won. I like Trump. He's nice and everything. He's funny. And he's, but he wasn't ever my guy. Maybe he should have been. A crying towel is exactly what he needs. I, I, maybe he should have been. I don't know. But he was never my guy. Because my guy can only be one kind of guy someone who absolutely believes in the Constitution and understands the dynamics that went on between the Founding Fathers when they debated and created this magnificent Constitution. And I don't believe that Trump has any clue. And I could be wrong. I mean, this man has a lot of smarts about a lot of things, and he may be, he may be up on this stuff, and I just don't know it. But he doesn't talk like he does. He doesn't talk like he's got that information, and that has always been a concern of mine. My relief wasn't so much that Trump won. It was that Hillary didn't. And the reason for that relief was because, well, when I felt relief, let me tell you it this way. An image entered into my head of a big coffee can 
getting kicked down the road. Kicking the can down the road is what we did by electing Trump. We saved our country, our constitution, and our way of life from being completely destroyed and dismantled under four years or more of Hillary Clinton. We bought ourselves some time. Now, what do we do in the next four years? We got to get the right people nominated to the Supreme Court, and that's got to be one of the few things that Trump does first. We have to educate the youths of America on the proper function and foundation of our government, our Constitution, our founding documents, the four organic documents of our country. And that's what this show's been about and will be about for the next four years. I have the equipment, and we are all set up to start doing the Minuteman Minutes. And the only thing I have to do is quit procrastinating. But I made a vow, and I don't do those lightly, a covenant that I would be doing those in 2017. Is that right? This is 16. So 2017. After the holidays, which are just extremely busy for Santa, (laughs) you know, after Thanksgiving, it gets to be uh, crunch time, you know. So after the holidays, I will be doing the Minuteman Minutes, will be civic lessons. We will be more centric on, on, you know, we'll do what I always do, but we're also going to have segments on every show, a segment that will be teachable, a teachable segment, right? So that we'll start doing a little class every show about something like what we're going to do Sunday. We're going to go over the electoral college and we're going to go over the ninth and 10th amendments. So I encourage you to go out and tell your friends and enemies about the show. Click on the like buttons, the follow buttons. Let your friends that are homeschooling know about this show and bring them here. We try to keep the show clean for the most part uh, and family friendly. And that's what we're going to pursue. We're going to do more of it. Uh, We're going to make the website more friendly and usable. Uh, So I've got plans 2017, we're going to do it. We're going to get this stuff done. Uh, I think one of the funny things about getting a girlfriend is, is I'm, I'm now I'm not procrastinating. I've been losing weight. I'm feeling better. I'm feeling healthier. And, and I had this drive that I didn't have before. And uh, I mean, it's back. It's the old drive. It's, you know, the old me is back. Uh, Cause I, I don't know if it was depression or, you know, whatever you want to call it, uh, I don't mean like, you know, suicidal depression where I'm going to go up on Fort Marcy Park and shoot myself in the back of the head three times. But but my girlfriend, Megan, has made me feel alive again. And her little girls, her girls are three, five, and eight. And I can't look them in the eye and say, I'm too damn old to fight this battle for you. I've done my time. I've been in combat. I'm crippled. I'm, I'm done. This is for the youths to fight, younger people go into combat and fight now. And this fight to save this country is for younger people. No, it's for the gray beards. It's for those of us who have learned and know better and have studied and understand history and understand the organic documents of this country and can communicate it. That's what I can do. I don't have to be physical. 
I can be mental. As Benjamin Franklin said, at his age, it was definitely true that the pen was mightier than the sword. <laughs> Doc says, careful, I'll pull something. Oh, oh my brain. <laughs> uh, so I'm changing weapons, putting down my saber. I'm hanging up my boots, and I'm picking up my pen and my computer. And we're going to do this. I've even decided to go back and start teaching in college again. I'm going to go and do the paperwork and see if next semester I'm not going to pick up a class or two here. I'm just going to add junk until I retire. I'm retiring in 19 months, and then I'll go and do it full time. But uh, I've got a drive. I've got desire and commitment now. And I'm, I'm going to see this stuff through, and I hope you'll stay with me and do it with me. I'm expecting a call any time now from Ken McClinton. I need to take a quick break. I was thinking about all these media people talking about angry white people and hillbillies and hicks and how we countryfied gentlemen have screwed the country over by, by electing Trump. The demographics don't show that. Demographics show that Trump is just about 51% of every vote, whether it's under high school diplomas, high school to college, college or more, Trump was right there in the middle of the pack and got about half, a little over half of every vote uh, segment. He got like 20 or 29% of the Hispanic vote where Romney only got 25%, right? 26, so he got more than Romney. Us rednecks, us crackers, us whatever you want to call us, that's what they're blaming right now. That we're racist because of this. Which is just idiotic again. As I said, how am I a racist for voting for the white guy instead of the white girl? But uh, whatever. The, the weird thing is, is there's a lot of people that buy into this. And so we're going to spend some time in the future going over that. I'm about to have Ken McClinton call and we're going to do our simulcast show called Radio in Black and Red. So to fill the time between that, I'm going to go out take a break real quick. I'm going to come right back, but thought about the perfect song that I wanted to use to illustrate how I feel about the pundits, the lamestream media, and the Democrat Party, and how they are analyzing the results of this election. I'll be right back, y'all. If you don't love the 
Coupon right now, two for one. Child would recognize uh, that there's a, a a white guy on this show too. You know, you're the only white guy on the network. I pretty much, okay. except for except for my stunt z- double. You know, BZ, he's white. And <laughs> in, in fact, uh, if you've ever uh, if you've ever gone fishing and you pull up a fish from the deep sea, you know, and you Put it next to BZ, the fish will look tan. <laughs> yes. Professor. Yes, sir. You had a program earlier this week with Dave Milder. Um, in oh. terms of covering. Crud, I forgot to play his thing tonight. <laughs> Oops. Yeah. I'll have to get it next time. <laughs> Don't tell him he's listening. Oh. 
Yeah, never mind. You can always go back and get it. That's always go back and get it. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna have Hillary delete that. Because she had too many emails to answer. <laughs> well, yeah, she was, she uh, she got dizzy from all the bleach bit. <laughs> person she didn't blame was Hillary Clinton. Of course not. Yeah. Because she's not responsible. Right. <laughs> yeah. And and it's Comey's fault that Hillary is a crook and a traitor. was because of a uh, a wiener and this time it wasn't Bill. <laughs> I think it's simply amazing. Uh-huh. <laughs> never been in political office his entire life. Never. Never. She lost a neophyte. Yep, to, a, to a rich white dude. Yep. Her Probably her worst nightmare. <laughs> you, know, you know how they are about rich white people except themselves. Because I voted for Trump. And I, I said, wait a minute, because I didn't vote for the rich white lady, I'm a racist because I voted for the rich white man. And uh, yeah. and they kind of blinked and looked at me for a few seconds and then said, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, oh, well, you know, if God didn't love stupid people, Ken, he wouldn't have made so many of them. Zarina, she, you know, she goes to like SHR and she'll go to your show. She's like, you know, tr- I get, she doesn't uh, like me. I think I'm in trouble or something. Uh-oh. And uh, why do I have your voice in my head? So, uh, I don't know. There we go. I got rid of it. So, uh, the, the uh, 
what was I going to say? Oh, uh, she kept all of our predictions, but I can't remember my own predictions. So how did we do? Well, I know that I didn't make it. I, I know I went too far over. Uh-huh. Uh, Z- well, Zarina, you said something like 99% of blacks were going to vote for, for uh, Trump or something, didn't you? No, I said 80, I, she would receive less than 88% of the vote. Well, she pretty much, uh, that was right. I think she got uh, 89%. No, no, she got 88% exactly. Oh, so, okay. And that was your prediction for blacks? Yeah, I know we talked about that, but I can't remember what I said. But it was, uh, I, 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 I think I said ninety percent or five percent lower than than that. I can't remember what I said now. Maybe you can ask the Zarina to tell us how we did. At, uh, I, I, I hope the Zarina would, would tell us uh, because I, I think uh, we did pretty well. Yeah. I, I really do. <laughs> I, I don't know. I can't remember, and I haven't looked at the numbers to find out how I've done, because if I did, then I, I thought, well, I don't remember exactly what I said anymore, so it yeah, doesn't do me any good to look them up. Yeah, I think you said something like 50-40. Um, something like well, I I blew it. I honestly thought Johnson was going to get you know 3 to 5% or 4 or 5%, maybe 6% of the vote uh, in the country. Now, he got him in the elections, you know, like in – like in Texas's um, voting, he got three percent or something like that. But but the but it didn't turn into any delegates for him. And I realized that when I was thinking about this, I wasn't talking electoral college delegates. I was talking you know the the popular vote. And so uh, I I'm I'm going to sit down and figure out what I said, and then turn around and look and see how the popular vote went. Um, because I thought Jill would get about a percent, and I figured Johnson would get about five percent of all the popular vote of every election, and that was pretty consistent. He got three to five percent, and Jill got less than you know up to one percent, I think, in a lot of races, and leaving the rest for Trump and and Hillary. And I figured that uh, out of that uh, ninety four uh, percent, that Trump would get. Yeah, the Hillary would only get about forty percent of that. So I was wrong. Hillary got more than that. <laughs> but uh Yeah. Yeah. Donald Trump has fifty three percent of the white woman vote. Ooh. Yeah, if you look at everything that Trump got, he was right around fifty one, fifty three percent of every category. It doesn't matter what the category is, he was right there getting a little over half of it. Which means that, you know, you can't say a bunch of idiot hillbillies voted for him or stupid, you know, grouchy white men, uh, you know, uneducated and stuff. That's what they were doing at work. They were coming in and making those accusations. I was like, no, that doesn't that doesn't pan out. <laughs> what does pan out is that blacks couldn't vote for Trump, so they didn't vote. They stayed home. And uh, and I think you and I both thought that was going to happen. Exactly. Yeah. But one of the big about the black vote was that 93% of the people that voted, uh, amongst the 88%, 93% of those that voted for Hillary Rodham Clinton were black women. Yeah. Only 7% of black men voted for Hillary Rodham Clinton, meaning that there are more conservative black men out there than yet no. <laughs> or, or they're all in jail. <laughs> oh, man, I couldn't even vote this time. <laughs> Leroy only got to vote once, and he's dead. 
<laughs> I, I really felt bad for Hillary Rodham Clinton um, <laughs> last night uh, on election night. Um, my God, to have come so close uh, to victory. And I want to, if you give me, I, <laughs> it wasn't that close, but yeah, I, get, I guess I get your point. <laughs> And, and to give her tribute, I want to play for you all a cut um, uh, of a young woman who was so dedicated to Hillary Rodham Clinton's victory that she was willing to forego her virginity uh, like a virgin. <laughs> I didn't do it. going to make us listen to her sing? Anyone 
maybe Whoopi Goldberg, are you going to help people pack and leave the country? Well, ironically, I am moving people tomorrow, but it's Megan. (laughs) (laughs) We're we're moving her into an apartment tomorrow, but uh, no one has asked for my assistance, and I was very clear in offering my help to anyone who wanted to move out of the state or out of the country, uh, as long as it was a one-way ticket. Uh, I I think it's very racist of all these people that only want to move to Canada. You know, I mean, what's wrong with a nice tyrannical uh, and corrupt government like down in Mexico or Venezuela? You know, uh, which is communist. They should be really happy about stuff like that. So uh, they should. It's requirement. It's not that great. Yeah, it really isn't. I mean, only ninety percent of your income. So I I mean, it fits what they want. That's what I'm asking. But, uh, you know, we knew when they said it that they didn't mean it, they weren't going to do it, and it's uh, just about how they they say these things to make themselves feel good, and they say it for the general masses because they know that they have been dumbed down by Common Core to the point where they'll actually think this is a good thing. And uh, my uh, my daughter, as mentioned on Twitter, says, thanks for the Christ session. <laughs> Yeah, they were all crying while Madonna was singing, I guess, there. But, uh, yeah, Um, I don't know, Ken. You know, I never believed it because they never do it. Uh, Mm -hmm. But it was interesting that the Canadian um, website crashed, the government website crashed on immigration Uh during the election. Uh I was talking about that earlier on my show. It's like, you know, while I'm watching the elections, the one thing that – did not occur to me was to go if things went bad for Trump to start looking for another country to live or, you know, to see if I could get a visa to another country. What kind of people do we have in this country that are like that? I mean, could you imagine how, what this country, this country would never have had freedom or liberty at all. If our founding fathers, you know, thought like that. And, uh, and so I don't get, I don't get that mentality. If you're lost, okay, if you honestly believe in what you're doing and you think it's right, you think it's ethical and you think it's correct and legal and constitutional, then fight for it. But they don't uh, want to. They just want to create edicts and use the courts to create, you know, to make it happen because they can't win the hearts and minds of America legislatively and they can't win the hearts and minds of us uh, electorally right now, at least in this election. And uh, and so, you know, boo-hoo. I was talking about all these schools that are, are suspending classes for three or four days and offering counselors. Uh, you know, my thought was is that it should be a trip. You show up for your counseling session, and they hand you a Dr. Pepper and a box of tissues, and you go through the door, and it's a Marine recruiter, and there's only one way out, and that's, you know, to basic training. Uh, the world when this nation uh, living in the lap of luxury uh, one of the wealthiest nations ever created in mankind's history the focal point of what happens when you apply capitalism and not socialism or feudalism and and our children are whining like little pussies because somebody won or someone lost an election my god 
Right. Well, I, this is, you know, common core and, liber- and progressivism, but I've got a solution, and I think you're going to like this. Okay. The, the next election cycle, what we do <clears throat> is when you go to vote, if you vote Republican, you get a sticker that says, I voted, and you get to stick it on your pocket. If you're a progressive or a Democrat, then when you vote, you go back up to the, to the tables, and they hand you a trophy that says, I voted, I'm a winner. And that way, no matter who wins, they've got a trophy for participating in the election. (laughs) So what do you think? I think it's wonderful. It's so fitness right now in America. Participation trophies because you got up off your glee back with the dead with your duty was as a citizen. And, and, oh and this way they won't need counselors because they'll have a, you know, a, a shelf full of trophies for all the elections that they have uh, participated in. And this way, uh, no matter who wins, they're winners. And that's the message on the trophy. And uh, and I think that will solve a lot of our problems with the youths of America. Before we go to a break, I, I want to say this uh, to every serviceman who uh, who sacrifices constitutional freedom that he might or she might uh, go into the military and protect us, those in the U.S. Merchant Marines, uh, those that are part of the Coast Guard, those that are part of the Army, the Navy, the Air Force, and the Marine Corps. We want to thank you all so much for your service to our country uh, and that you came back home. Uh, And you came back home alive and have been able to give us not only your insights, but your wisdoms and your truths about war and about peace and about prosperity and about life itself. We thank God for your service to our country. Uh, And I I just want to thank the professor here, who is a retired airman. Uh, Thank you so much for your service to our country. Cool. You know, it's uh, the Marines' birthday today. They're 240 years old and still looking for a few good men. You'd think after 240 years they would have found a few of them by now. Well, actually, they have something in common with Mariah Carey. (laughs) (laughs) Still looking for a few good men? Still looking for a few good men. Yes, it's true. Mariah Carey is getting divorced. I think she just got married last week. She get divorced again. She's better at this than uh, what was the name uh, from from? Um, oh, good. Uh, I just spaced it. Yeah, Cleopatra. What was her name? Uh, Cleopatra. Yeah. I know. What was her name? Elizabeth Taylor. Oh, Taylor. That's it. Yes. E. T. Oh my God. Mariah Carey is getting up there with Elizabeth Taylor. So. Uh, <laughs> If you want a used car, I'm sorry, um, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Veterans Day, I don't know if you should use the term happy about it, but uh, we solemnly observe Veterans Day uh, tonight, and also our, we honor the Marine Corps uh, this particular evening, uh, and we want you all. You can use happy. Memorial Day, I find that offensive, but Veterans Day, you can you know wish everybody a, a happy Veterans Day. Yeah. Okay. We're the ones so who came back. We have a reason to be happy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, unless you went back to Chicago. Yeah, well. 
for all of the servicemen and women. Uh, thank God uh, for your service to our country. And what I like to do is actually uh, take off my Armed Citizens Legal Defense Network uh, cap. You can get one of these if you become a member. If you buy a gun, I suggest that you join them so that you might receive the representation necessary should a leftist come out of nowhere and say that you shot them for crossing uh, your territory without your permission, and they sue you. <laughs> Armed Citizens Legal Defense Network, where can you find it? Front page of the exceptionalconservativeshow.com. For our servicemen and women, God bless you. Thank you so much. We'll be right back right after the medley.
you who have served our armed forces in prayer. We're going to bless the veterans. Dear God, please bless the veterans who wore the faded uniform. May they know the peace of a career well served and service completed. Give them our thanks for the doors opened, past paid, and battles fought. Give them our thanks for the freedom preserved, future defended, and the ideal embodied. Bless the veterans who defended our country with strength and selfless devotion. Amen. Professor, your thoughts? I'm just trying to figure out how to get on these three ways that Mary's offering. It's on the bucket list. Households and our budgets while we're deployed or TDY somewhere, it's a it's a hardship like you wouldn't believe. Which is why our divorce rate is astronomical and the suicide rates are astronomical, and the kids too. You know they're constantly being moved and having to start over and get new friends and new schools and it's a harsh lifestyle that we adopt and take as just you know what we call Monday or Tuesday in our world. You know because this is what we do, but. <clears throat> 
and you, the vet is going to get a free meal tomorrow. Now, any other day of the year, buy the vet a meal. That's great. Tomorrow, yeah. I suggest if you see a table and you can tell there's a vet, you know, someone looks like me out there and he's got his family with him, and he's eating his free pancakes at IHOP, offer to buy his wife's meal for what she did yeah. by serving the country, by by raising the kids, by running the household so that he could go and do his job and not worry about if the bills are going to get paid or if everybody's going to be evicted or whatever. Because uh, these women serve their country every damn bit as much as we did. And uh, and my I, the, that's my two suggestions is, one, go and honor the vet's family, and that will go a long way. And my second thing is vets, if you go out and they don't have what you want or they run out, don't be mean. Don't be rude. Just say thank you and, you know, move on. These guys are doing stuff for us. They're trying to thank us. It costs them a lot of money and stuff. And so I ask that you be respectful, polite, and thankful for the gesture that America is doing for us tomorrow. Because we didn't do this for free pancakes at IHOP. You know why we did what we did. You know why you did what you did if you served. And just remember... Let's set the example for the youths of America and show them what military decorum is all about tomorrow. Hooah. Hooah. Oh, God. Ladies and gentlemen, we thank each and every one of you uh, who has served so honorably in our nation uh, and taken on the risk uh, to protect us. And it's not enough. So if you do see an elder couple out there, make certain that the the mother, the wife is taken care of, if the, if the kids are there. Go out of your way tomorrow to show the affection for them uh, that many wish they could afford to do on days like Memorial Day. Yeah. Uh, so Can I tell you what that? happened to me last year, Ken? What's that? At IHOP? I was at IHOP. And uh, was eating my pancakes, and a bus uh, that was, you know, from school, from some school, and they were on their way somewhere else, you know, some game or something that they were on. Uh, I don't remember. They were all dressed in sports gear, you know, jumpsuits and, you know, jackets and stuff. They might have been a basketball team or something. Well, anyway, they came into the restaurant, and they saw me, and I had on, you know, something uh, to modestly make everybody realize I was a vet. And, uh, <laughs> you know, clothing, apparel, I don't remember what I had on. But uh, anyway, they all came by my table and shook my hand and each thanked me. And it took like 12 minutes for uh, for that. And I got a big kick out of that, let me tell you. But then I turned around and said, now my pancakes. And they were called <laughs> the serpent congealed. And I looked at that and I went, uh, you know, I was like, okay, well, you know, I gotta, I gotta suffer in silence because. It, but before I could do anything, a waitress walked by and saw it, and she had watched me, you know, shaking everybody's hand and talking with them. She just grabbed the plate right out of my hands and uh, and walked back to the kitchen and came back up a fresh hot stack. So that's what wow. made me, you know, think that we need to remember that we're being in a big fishbowl tomorrow, and we need to be thankful and and polite and respectful back. Yeah. And I also want to say this, for all you lefties out there who have been burning flags and 
telling your high school football team to take a knee. And you deserve being thrown out for the entire season for doing that. I'm just telling you all right off the bat down in Texas. You know who I'm talking about. Um, for all of you leftists out there who want peace, I tell you what, why don't you show some peace tomorrow? Why don't you get up off your duff, go down to the breakfast nook, go to the dinner hall, and shake the hand of the one who sacrificed his family and himself for service to our country so that you might be able to have children that will walk from these high-priced tuition bounty institutions like Columbia and New York University or college or whatever it's called and go screaming in front of Donald Trump's office about how you are so broken in spirit that he is president. You created poofies. Make sure your poofies honor those people who were not. And, and, did I offend anybody? I hope I didn't offend anybody. And if I did, suffer. Well, it's people I, like me that made this country safe enough for people like them to raise poofters. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Ladies and gentlemen, I know that you all are going away on the Red Nation Rising Network. We love you dearly. Uh, you are listening to New Day Black and Red with the professor, Dr. Michael Jones at undergroundprofessor.us and Ken McClinton, the exceptional one, at theexceptionalconservativeshow.com. Remember, honor our veterans tomorrow. As you leave, remember, honor our veterans tomorrow. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I also want to do this one quick thing, uh, and we'll be right back afterwards, and we will go through this particular night commercial free. This will be the last night. All right, people. All right. Because we ain't got it like that. Mm. We will go through <laughs> commercial food because we want to hear the professor tonight. This is very, very important about the future of America. Uh, now, to a great young man uh, who spends a lot of time um, watching me eat uh, my infused burger, which I didn't have tonight, but I swear next Thursday night, man, be careful. I'm going to have my infused burger. Uh, none other than the unpleasant blind guy, uh, Dave Milner. We'll be right back right after this.
groups of left in the United States of America encouraged by at least one irresponsible elected official as was filed in this report from January to the January 7th, Seattle, Washington. Thousands of people protesting Donald Trump's election in cities across the country. Those are the same Oakland's like number of 500 percent. And people say a handful of protesters were arrested. Protests also are happening right now in Dallas and Los Angeles, on the East Coast, cities like New York, D.C., and Boston also start to demonstrate. Thousands of people to send Donald Trump and the more than 59 million who voted for him a message. The event was organized by the Seattle Socialists and Council member Shama Sawant. They're promising the protesting will continue. It's 
understand by our convictions that in order for what we can do of the United States of America that treats our people equally who respect our laws and our common culture. This has been an unfulfilling guy. And you're back with New Day Black and Red or SHR Media and High Place Hundred Media, and we left Red Nation Rising a few moments ago. Uh, and uh, tonight we are discussing, as we move into our second hour, promises. Can Trump keep him? And if not, will America hold him accountable? Uh, there are those who, right now, uh, believe that Donald Trump is running the nation and has run it into the ground. Uh, not that for just 48 hours after being elected. <laughs> so uh, we encourage each and every one of you uh, to look away from the crowd at this particular juncture. Uh, <laughs> you left, but at work today, they were already blaming Trump for things. And I said that the good news is that Trump's election, there is actually a silver lining to it, and that is that we'll stop blaming Bush for everything now. And, uh, you know, and we, of course, we won't blame Obama for anything, so now Trump will get all the blame. Yeah. Because if you blame Obama for anything, you're a racist. Well, sure. Can I play this, can I play this Chris Matthews for you? It doesn't matter that you're mentally ill and a leftist. Yeah. You can still do the job. Well, <laughs> before you play it, I have a, a technical question I'd like to ask you. And that is, how do you manage to make all these sound bites sound like they're being broadcast to three feet of wet coffee grounds? I don't know how that happens, but it plays clearly on SHR. <laughs> yeah. uh, everybody over here is like, I can't understand it. It's uh, it's garbled. It, uh, I couldn't understand, but like three words. I heard veteran and a couple of other things that I might have recognized. But <laughs> Okay, well, yeah. I'm very sorry. No, uh, no. <laughs> Please. Thank you. Play the uh, Jesus thing. Go ahead. After he joined John said Hillary Clinton made her will lose the presidency to Donald Trump. Chinese food from an Iranian uh, uh, taco joint, or was that Chris Matthews talking? I, I couldn't tell. I don't know. It, it, it doesn't matter at this particular juncture. You'll have to tell us what he said, Ken. I, I can't comment on that. I, I, yeah. He just said Jesus. He got to the point where he was about to weep. Yeah. Uh, Donald Trump was going to be victorious. Uh <laughs> 
<laughs> well, you know the something? Uh, Hillary's concession speech to her people also did something I thought was very unique. She started talking about God and and natural rights and the rule of law and that no man was above it. And my mouth hit the floor. I was like, when did this happen? Yeah. <laughs> It's it's not being told because she believes it. It's being told for the consumption of the useful idiots in her party. But but still, the Democrats seem to have found God. Even the atheists are out there, you know, embracing God right now because this election was so devastating to them. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, 76. I came up with five. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Apparently, there's 76 of them. Yeah, it's the Washington Post. They've been keeping this record. Uh, You you know, you have to to know where it comes from to understand where it comes from. Uh, But the number one promise that Donald Trump has made uh, is that we're going to build a wall. Uh-huh. And they're going to build a wall around the southern border. But I'm hearing a lot of politicians in D.C. kind of cough at that now. Uh, they're they're kind of like, sure. <laughs> and these are GOPers. Uh, sure. Uh, I don't believe we're going to build a wall. I want to ask you, doctor, because I can ask you at least one question. Her segment. I can ask you one question. Ask me anything. Uh, thank you, sir. Mm-hmm. Uh, is Donald Trump going to build a wall along the southern border? I believe he may actually do that, or at least start it. I don't know. You know, he can say it, but it's going to take Congress to do it. Um, but uh, yeah, I think I think it might actually. Uh, I think what we'll see is we'll see a, a mobilization of of. Um, government agents on on the border so our scrutiny of our border will be intensified that'd be the first thing and then i think they'll probably uh, start an electronic um, watchdog you know raise those balloons up you know with the cameras and the dirigibles and maybe drone flights and and things like that and then uh and who knows uh if they'll actually construct a physical wall, but I would think that he's going to. I honestly do, because I think he believes that, that that's necessary. And I like the idea myself, so I hope he does. But the my question is, is does he really believe Mexico is going to pay for it? Uh, well, and it doesn't matter to me if they do or not, because the wall is necessary, and I think we should do it with or without their consent. <laughs> Yes he, yes, he does. And, in fact, that's the second promise that the Washington Post brings to light. Uh, make Mexico pay for the wall. Now, there are <clears throat> ways that the, uh, that can be done. Number one is that you can eliminate the EITC credit for payment. That's right. Uh, and go out of the country to Mexico. Uh, that's $6 billion right there. And he should raise a fee for all the Western Union uh, money transfers, you know, just 
pop on a two dollar fee or whatever to everyone and uh there you, know. you go that's another way of doing it yep uh also you can take out whatever's left over after that six billion dollars stops going there uh out of the four and eight that's given to mexico yeah that should be st- turned off right off the bat the spigot of foreign aid to any country that is not our friend should be stopped immediately <laughs> And Mexico is not our friend. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, and, of course, uh, you're going to have to pay more if you want to enter this country legally. Yeah. Uh, and, and I don't know if that's a good thing, because that basically eliminates uh, a lot of poor people from coming over. Look, we, um, as it's being brought out, Team Focus on Periscope, that there's a lot of cartel money in Mexico. They get a lot of American money from drugs, and so all we need to do is is tax it, and we'll get Mexico to pay for the wall. You know, we just start taxing drugs. We make an estimate of uh, how many drugs come in this country, uh, and we uh, we sue Mexico for tax violation, you know, for avoiding taxes. And uh, since their federalities are bribed, and they allow these things to cross our borders. Uh, that means that the government is involved in it, and that means they're responsible for it. So we start doing things like that, uh, an estimated tax on the amount of product that's being moved over our border without complying with our economic laws. <laughs> we shut down all aid. We shut down TPP. We shut down NAFTA. That, uh, and uh, and then we start charging them for every truck that comes into this country. We, you know. We make them comply with our OSHA and Department of Transportation uh, requirements, like the rest of us have to do. And, wow. And uh, and we tax and fine them. And I think we ought to have sheriffs out there following every you know truck or lorry with a Mexico plate and or South American plate and and and, and uh, write them up for every violation they have. Wow, but, regulate them to death. Right. Instead of setting up speed traps in Podunk counties, you know, for revenue enhancement, let's just make the Mexicans pay for that, too. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So just right there, you can see how you can pay for this wall. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's going to be a brick wall like the wall of China. Uh, I think it's going to be a techno-savvy oriented wall. It's got to uh, be. With, yeah, and we might actually have border policemen at the border. Yep. And and a, a second line pass because they they've come to where they start building tunnels now, and uh, and then they come out you know of these tunnels and they're way behind the border, that, uh, you know so they're yeah. in enemy territory when they come out and we need to be watching those and we need to have a uh, you know the we need to dedicate some of the satellites uh, not the keyholes but others that can look into the you know we have ground penetrating radar up in satellites and. So we need to be doing that. We need to have one task to be monitoring the border and uh, and look for these uh, tunnels, and then we get in there and we flood them. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Make sense. Yeah. Uh, but you can't use water that touches California yeah. if you're going to flood them. I figure we'll use that water up there in Michigan. Flint, <laughs> Michigan water. That's it. There you go. Yeah, well, 
that's for the rest of the country. Texas passed a law that you cannot get in trouble for saying Merry Christmas. If you're an employee or a government employee or if you work at Walmart, Walmart can't punish you for saying it. So in Texas, we're allowed to say Merry Christmas and howdy, y'all, and all that stuff. So, you know, this is for Yankees, uh, but I hope he does it. And, you know, because Trump, that's one way of saying that Trump is going to try and end political correctness when it comes to speaking in this country. And, uh, you know, and people like me and you, when we talk, we don't, we're not politically correct when we speak, and neither is Trump, and a lot of us are fed up with it. And I think it's not so much that it'd be anything he could do, like by executive order or what, but um, it would just become, you know, hopefully the way we do things again, because we're Americans and we believe in freedom of speech. And what he can do uh, is to either get Congress to enact laws or to create an executive order that no one in the federal branch, uh, you know, the central government uh, in, in the executive branch, uh, can be punished for saying Merry Christmas. He can do stuff like that. And that's exactly what an executive order is uh, designed for. And uh, and we start doing that, then we get rid of this stuff, you know, and it doesn't infiltrate other bills and, you know, and whatnot and for the suppression of speech. So that's a good thing. And I think that we'll do that, but we'll be doing that by example as opposed to legislation or, or executive order. You know, it's amazing that this is being brought up by the Washington Post as the third promise. Uh, well, it probably scares them. Huh? Being able to say Merry Christmas probably scares them. I know. I know. Because if you look at Pennsylvania Avenue, and people listen to my show throughout the Obama years, and I would remark about Pennsylvania Avenue at one time, Pennsylvania Avenue was the nation's capital. It was the city of lights. From the U.S. Capitol to the White House, there were Christmas lights. There was uh, Christmas singing. There was always an atmosphere of Christmas. But when Obama came into office, all of a sudden it looked like we were in Moscow. (laughs) Or Korea. North Korea, you mean. out there somewhere in you know in the city limits and you get you'll get in big trouble. Exactly. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you all to know that I received a note from Facebook uh, as we prepare to go through the rest of these particular promises. Uh, I received a note from Facebook after I put on the prayer for veterans that I was spreading spam. (laughs) (laughs) Well I I believe that from Facebook, yeah. Okay, and that I should be watchful of spreading spam. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you're sending out that prayer, uh, uh, I want to let you know that Mark Zuckerberg thinks of uh, of you as a spammer for thanking veterans. Yep, I got I thinking. got the same message when I posted a a note about Krispy Kreme donuts and coffee for veterans tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So right now, Facebook is attacking veterans. Basically. Yeah. All right. So we want to thank Facebook for its patriotic 
remembrance of the men and women that made it possible for them to have uh, security systems, security systems, and uh, computer technology that's able to delineate uh, crowds of people shouting uh, and burning flags as news versus us respecting and reverencing veterans, which is spam. Yeah, let's point out this, Ken. Zuckerberger is a millionaire, multi-millionaire, maybe a billionaire, because of Facebook. Facebook is capable because of Internet. And Internet was created by those of us in the military that were working with the Puzzle Palace in the 80s, and we needed a way for instant real-time analysis and communications from the planes that I flew on where we were collecting data and we needed to send it to the NSA. And so we created an inter and intranets uh, for this purpose. And so Zuckerberger is a billionaire because the military created the internet. And it wasn't Al Gore. Please tell your grandkids it wasn't Al Gore that created the internet. It was the U.S. military. Thank you, Zuckerberg. Well, and so if you all are, are having that problem, please alert everyone. I, I, I really, I, I, forgive me for taking time out here, but tomorrow is a princely day. And when you're trying to honor veterans and Zuckerberg is telling you that that's spam, it tells you everything as to why it was essential to have Donald Trump as president of the United States of America. It really does. Uh we have really gone backwards as a nation. Yeah. Uh, hmm. Professor, uh, the fourth thing, fourth promise, is to get rid of carbon core. Okay. Now, there is a rumor that Dr. Ben Carson will become Secretary of Education. Uh, I thought they were trying to get rid of the federal government education department under Donald Trump. Uh, it, well, that was to be fair, uh, to dismantle it, you know, they'll have to do it from the inside out. So you appoint Carson to it, and you start deviating back to the states, you know, and, and you remove all these central government restrictions on the states for education, like you know, like forcing them into Common Core and free lunch programs and all that, and you send it back to the states, and, and then you have, uh, you know, uh, who did you say they were going to nominate Clarence Thomas? No, that's not right. Um, who did you say? I've already forgotten his name now. Uh, Carson. Pete, Dr. Ben Carson. Yeah, not Pizza Boy, but Ben Carson. And, you know, so you let him dismantle the Department of Education and turn the lights out when he leaves, and uh, you know, and give him a set amount of time to to devolve it and get rid of it and surrender the budget back to the uh, central government, so that you know we can apply it to somewhere else. And that should be a lot of agencies. Uh, that shouldn't just be the Department of Education. You know, NPR should go, and uh, because of the yeah, biases, the, you know, those just most government should be shut down, in my opinion. But uh, but certainly you can make an, an argument. The Department of Education has never educated anyone, and so it has yeah. no real you know purpose of being there. And other than to tell the states how to do it, and, and we don't need that. That's not what this country was designed, you know, to have 57 different states uh, out there uh, 
doing their experiments to see what works. You know, what works in Texas will not work in New York, and neither should it be expected to. So there's no reason to have a centralized education department uh, trying to make edicts or, or tell you what books you can use or what you have to teach. It's just idiotic. We're talking tonight with Dr. Michael Jones, the underground professor. You can find him at undergroundprofessor.us. Uh, you're listening to the last uh, free show of the week, the election week in the U.S. Uh, for New Day Black and Red. Uh, I am the peon in chief, the little pick. Yep. <laughs> exceptional. Well, uh, we like uh, to think uh, it's not a pick, more of a pick and any. Would that be Obamacare? Uh, there you go. There you go. I have a real problem with anything that goes after get rid of Obamacare. The whole concept of replace, it is not the federal government's responsibility at all, in my opinion, to get involved with managed care and health care, things of that particular nature. That's um, the role of the Well... Yeah, you roll back Obamacare, but you also have to roll back all the other laws and rules that Congress has created, you know. And and for one thing, I think basically we ought to get rid of the Food and Drug Administration. Uh, uh, I don't think that it makes us any safer. Uh, you know, you can make just as many arguments that the pills that we take uh, kill people anyway, even after the FDA approval process, and it suppresses a lot of drugs that we uh, that might be life saving because it's too restrictive and too expensive. Uh, the states are quite capable of handling these things, I think. And, and if we do need something centralized, it's so small as to be, you know, negligible in size, not over and, you know, overall encompassing like it is today. Uh, but we do need to do some things like, like Trump was trying to explain poorly, but he explained it about uh, competition, you know, and, and, these insurance companies, don't let anybody fool you. Blue Cross Blue Shield and Aetna and all these guys came together and lobbied Congress to create a law that prevented them from crossing over into other states. And so this is why you have Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Texas and Blue Cross and Blue Shield of New York, and they're not the same company. Uh, they're individual companies, and they're only allowed to be in New York or Texas. And so what Trump is saying is we're going to get rid of that artificial border, and Blue Cross can be in any state and or all. And, um, and that will save us a lot of money because competition drives down price. And so there are things that he can do. But this uh, repeal and replace, like you're hearing Boehner, or not Boehner, but Ryan and um, McConnell saying, it just makes me want to stick my finger in my mouth and gag. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I, I I have to ask you here, in terms of the the concept of states' rights, I and mean, we talked about that last week. Uh, and yet you're still using that term. Racist. <laughs> this this whole concept that if 
if we get rid of the feds, uh, we get rid of the feds by block granting everything to the state. Why, why not just stop taking the money at all? Well, there you go. From, I'm not for the block granting ideas. Uh, you know, that's yeah. Congress takes this money from the states and then redistributes it, and about 75% of all that money is siphoned off because of the cost of government doing it. And, and that's not a small number. 75 cents of every dollar goes in somebody's pocket up there uh, that they take out of the states. So we're actually working on a budget of 25 cents on the dollar, uh, which is left. Uh, we don't need to take this money from the states. The states don't need to be tax collectors for the central government. Just get out of the business and say this isn't a central government function, and if you want it, do it. You know, if Texas wants clean water, then it can create its own clean water acts, and it can create its own organization to, I don't know, check the water. And we do. Uh, Mm -hmm. But with the central government and its intrusions, what has happened is we got corrupt organizations in the states, and this is how you get things like Ferguson and the water over there or wherever that was and and the lead and all the other things we keep hearing about. uh, It's because government wasn't keeping us safe. You know, it's the same thing with the dikes in Louisiana. How many times have we paid for those things to be fixed and done right, and then every time there's a sprinkle, Louisiana gets buried? And yet it's always some Republicans' fault, you know, because there aren't any down there, but it's always our fault, and they always need more money, and that will fix the problem this time, and it just goes into people's pockets. Screw that. If Louisiana wants to fix the dikes, Louisiana can do it. It's not the taxpayers of Ohio's responsibility. And and so we don't need to take money from Ohio, send it to Washington, and then take it and send it back down to Louisiana. With all exactly. the, so let's just get out of that. Education, you know, Jack Kemp and those guys and Reagan, they were all talking about block grants back and, and Newt Gingrich and, you know, that period. Well, the reason they were doing that was because that was a step forward of devolving government. And it was a way they could do it without getting rid of these organizations. But the truth of it is, today we don't need to do this. We just need to say, you know what, we're not collecting this tax anymore. And uh, so it's gone. Don't send us the money. If you want to tax your citizens in Texas, then, you know, to offer free school lunches and stuff, have a nut, do it. The problem is, Ken, is that if the Congress, the state legislature, does that and starts taxing us so they can give every kid in this school a free lunch, then we're going to get pissed off because all of a sudden we're, we're seeing this and we know who did it. And we, you know, we're right there. And so the state governments and the local governments, city governments, county governments, they're afraid of, of article five actions. They're afraid of devolving government and sending it back to them because they don't want to be held responsible for the cost of government and taxes and whatnot that will have to be done in order to continue this charade. Uh, ah, yeah. And okay. so, yeah, they're very famous. Actually see the real price tag for their desires that they put in front of their needs and their wants. Right. And so they don't want to pay it and they'll punish the politicians that are making them do it. And the Democrats are afraid, and the politicians, because what's going to happen is they're going to get rid of the school lunch program, and that's going to cost them, the progressives, a lot of votes. A lot of people that vote because they want their freebies 
aren't going to be getting their freebies, and so why the hell should they vote for them anymore? And so it's got the standard politicians running scared because of this. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to New Day Black and Red on SHR Media and High Plains Funded Media, also on live stream and Ustream and a few other devices that the professor has. Uh, what are those devices that you have, sir? Say that again? Uh, what, what are you um, broadcasting over right now? I'm on blogtalkradio.com slash undergroundprofessor broadcasting. Uh, we're on Twitter and Periscope, too, and uh, and iTunes, UGP Radio on iTunes. Yeah. Exactly. And so don't tell me that you missed this show. You can't miss this show. It's all over the world. <laughs> you can't miss it. That's right. I need a black. <laughs> we, we are everywhere. Every continent. And yeah, all 57 we states. Exactly. Hmm? want to go to one of the promises that I'm concerned about. Because, again, I don't believe that the federal government does it right. Uh, And if you leave it in the helm of the federal government, they may do it well under this administration because they're being held to the test. But it's no assurance that latter generations will do the same thing. And that's called the infrastructure program. Uh In which which he's saying that uh, private business owners will basically bid for the contract work, uh, and uh, there will be a fund created, and out of that fund, those contractors will be paid uh, for doing the work, and those those funds are, I guess, uh, garnered through bond uh, security and things of that particular nature on the open marketplace. Uh, I... I I just think we're asking the federal government maybe to do too much. You think? Uh, I, I think. I, you know, Name me something that it doesn't do. <laughs> I mean, really, why should D.C. people have to pay for your Texas bridge? Well, you know what I'm saying? I'm pretty sure that the money goes the other direction, but, yeah, I get your point. You you live in the richest county in America, and that's not because the money's going from there to here. It's it's because the money's coming from here to there. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But, I mean, these are all, especially in the District of Columbia, where they say they want to be a state, and they're ready to change the name of the District of Columbia to New Columbia. (laughs) I I mean, we'll come up with a battle plan to pay for the infrastructure problems that we're having, and don't ask the federal government for the money. Yeah, right. Yeah, that ain't going to happen. I want to ask you about number nine promise. Number nine, uh, saving Medicare, Medicaid, and Social Security without cutting benefits. Is that even fathomable? Well, yeah. Um, But it won't be fun because, you know, without reducing the things that it covers – but you can reduce the amount of people that are eligible for it or the amount of out of their pocket that they have to pay, you know, co-pays and stuff. You can increase that. Uh, Again, I ask you though, what, where in the constitution can you lay your finger to show me that that is a responsibility of central government? It's not. Uh, So get out of it. 
the country does not need the central government running some kind of insurance program for people without money or for people that are old. Medicaid and Medicare. It's uh, not that it's not required. So get out of it. And uh, and instead, what you do is you you get out of the way of businesses offering very cheap umbrella policies to protect old people and and you know and the uninsured uh, for Medicaid that you know if if it needs to be done it doesn't need to be done at the central government level it needs to be done at the state level or lower and uh, so certainly the state level should be the highest level of government doing these things and so you know what we should have are separate Medicaid programs for every state and that state decides how and how much it's going to spend and what gifts the taxpayers of that state will give to the people that need help. Because that's what this is. This is gifts. You don't have a right to health care. And I don't care who you are. You cannot convince me via debate and argument that there's a right to health care. And so, and we could go over why, but that would take a long time, and, and we don't have that tonight. But, you know, any other time you want to do it, let me know. But uh, so you don't have a right to health care, so you don't have a right to have government take money from me to give to you so you can go get health care. That's stealing. You know? And there's no difference in that than there is for you coming over to my house and saying, you know what, I like that 3D Blu-ray uh, DVD player you have. I think I'll take it and then walking out of my house with it. Well, that's what we call theft, you know, burglary, stealing. Uh, and there's no difference in that than having the government do it for you. And so just because it's been sanctioned by government doesn't make it legal or ethical or moral or right. It's just government-sanctioned theft. And it's Mary, done so well, for the, you know, return of votes again. And we're right back exactly. there again. Yeah. Mary Brockman in the Euro-Pacific Bank Limited TECS chat room poses the fact that the state sends tax revenue to D.C. and then beg for it to maintain the road. <laughs> right. We, we collect all this tax money off of gas and stuff, and then we send it to Washington where it gets stuck in the general fund for them to spend on people so that they'll vote for them. And yet there's no money, so they can't return it for us, and that's why we all have a dilapidated infrastructure in the country uh, when it comes to transportation. Every state's bad off. We need more highways. We need better roads. We need potholes fixed, uh, and there's no money for it. And yet, you know, gasoline taxes were raised to the roof and uh, lottery taxes, you know, for for it uh, – that we're supposed to take care of these things, you know, are not cutting it. And so, yes, it's a, it's a farce. The government needs to get out of it. And again, let the state take care of its roads. That's the, you know, Texas roads are the responsibility of Texans. Yeah. And, uh, and we can do it. We're, we're a big state and we are productive and we make wealth in this state so we can pay for our roads. Uh, The problem is going to be places like Rhode Island, which is tiny and doesn't have very many, people, you know, to tax and to do these things. And so it makes it harder for a small state to accomplish these things. But it's still, it's Rhode Island's responsibility, not Texas's to, you know, build the roads there. Exactly. And, and that leads me to the other question um, uh, about the, the concept of Medicare, Medicaid, Obamacare. Uh, 
those programs, where those programs showed that Democrats cared about the American citizen uh, and was making things equal between the rich and the poor, taking the money from the wealthy and giving it to the poor through subsidies and, and tax credits and things of that particular nature uh, so that they would be better off. Uh, did it work? And, and is that an accurate way of actually increasing the profitability of the poor? Well, no. Uh, you know, they fancy themselves to be Robin Hoods up there, but they're robbing us, all right, and they're, and they're creating hoods. Uh, yeah. And they're not anybody's anybody. I mean, can you look at – let's just look at the black community. Can you honestly tell me that the black community is better off now than it was eight years ago? Or than it was in the 40s and 50s, you know, with Eisenhower, or not Eisenhower, but the LBJ coming in, in the 60s. Um, you guys are living in third world conditions now, but you were almost on par in the 40s and 50s. You know, things were getting better, and, and, and they've been steadily worse ever since. No, what we have done is we have, when you, uh, if you subsidize bread, Ken, what happens? If the government was to subsidize bread, we would end up with a lot more bread everywhere, right? Because people would start making bread and getting the subsidy. So why wouldn't that work when you subsidize poverty? And that's what's happening with welfare and all these other programs. It is a subsidy of poverty. And yet then we turn around and we pretend to be shocked of all shocks that poverty continues to grow. Well, why wouldn't it when we're subsidizing it, when we're taking money from people all across the country and redistributing it and giving it away to people who have not earned, deserve it, or need it, and then we're shocked that poverty is growing and that more and more people have their hand out. Less and less people are willing to work for a living when they can just get it. And, uh, and so, yeah, that's, uh, it's a failure on our part. But it's not a surprise either because it's part of human nature. And we need to curb these things. We need to change that behavior. And this is why I say, you know, individual uh, rights. We need to remember these aren't group rights and, and whatnot. They're individual. And that goes with everything else, the law and, and the duties that we have as free men and women. Exactly. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we're talking with Dr. Michael Jones, the underground professor, undergroundprofessor.us. I am peon in chief, uh, Kevin Clinton, the exceptional one. You'll hear me on the Exceptional Conservative Show at the exceptionalconservativeshow.com. Uh, we're talking about the promises that uh, a certain gentleman who is president-elect has made. And the question is, are we going to hold him accountable to these promises? There's a tenth one. Hey, Kim. Uh, and I'm before we move on, a thought just occurred to me. We have spent so much money on this war on poverty. I think that was what LBJ called it. We have spent enough money on the war on poverty. You've heard of the Fortune 500, right? Yeah. Okay, that's the top 500 businesses in the country. We have spent more money on the war on poverty than it would have taken for the government to flat out buy the Fortune 5000. We could have bought the top 5,000 companies in this country 
and 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 they become government-owned businesses. And think of the money and the wealth that the government would be generating, uh, being the owner of five the top five thousand businesses in this country. So, when you look at has the war on poverty worked? Have we ended poverty? Have we made anybody's lives better? And the answer is no. What we have done is we have done a massive transfer of wealth. We've made more people poor, and we've institutionalized this into families now being born into boredom, dying into boredom, and then bequeathing it in their wills to their children to be poor too. Exactly. There is a church promise, and that's defunding Planned Parenthood. Yes. Uh, and you know how the rhinos are queasy up here in Washington, D.C. Rhinos want to be liked. Uh, they want to talk about nicely in the media. They want to be... They want to invited. go to the parties. <laughs> yeah. They want to go to the cocktail party. They want to be invited. They yeah. want to be a part of the team. Uh, it, it, will Congress be fun Planned Parenthood? I think that's very likely. I honestly do. We've got Republican control of the House, Senate, and and the executive branch, and we're about to get it in the judicial branch, too, when we start nominating these people. So I don't don't think it will happen without a knockdown, drag-out fight. Uh, but I believe that Planned Parenthood's days of receiving subsidies from the government are over. Now, that doesn't mean Planned Parenthood goes away. Uh, remember, Planned Parenthood makes a lot of filthy money murdering babies in the wombs of their mothers. So it's not like Planned Parenthood can't afford to stay in business if we cut the subsidies off to it. It won't change anything. What it means is that Planned Parenthood can't make people millionaires killing babies because they'll have to use that money to do all these alleged services for women that they provide, which is just a scam and a front so that they can maintain an abortion grizzle mill, uh, which is babies for dollars. And so, yeah, I think we'll be cutting the the subsidies of it. And I believe that Texas has led the nation in how to deal with Planned Parenthood by creating rules like Planned Parenthood doctors have to have uh, admitting privileges at local hospitals in case something goes wrong. Well, they can't do it. They won't do it. Uh, it's expensive. It cuts into their profit margin. But it also makes them responsible and liable for things. And, you know, uh, already – they kill 50% of their patients. You think about it. Would you go to a doctor that every other patient's killed? Uh, no. uh, you know, two patients walk into an abortion mill and only one walks out. What does that tell you? So, uh, and, and that's if everything goes right. Often things don't go right, and women get hurt or bleed or die from internal injury because they nick something inside while they were doing it. And so we require that they be licensed, and we require you know medical license and degrees, but we also require that they have admitting privileges in a local hospital so that if they screw something up in their clinic, they can race that person over to the hospital and get them admitted and get them treated and helped and whatnot. Those are expenses, and we're saying that it should not be an expense of the Texas citizen to pay for those things. So these uh, abortion mills have to cover those costs and, and procedures. And that is shutting them down in our state. And we need to implement that nationwide. You, you know, I, I'm sitting here talking with you, Dr. Jones, and I, I, this thought comes to mind, that the federal government's intervention through usurping the sovereignty of the state and taking the wealth of the nation for its own political gains, 
mm-hmm. uh, deters the individual from moving out of poverty into wealth. Yeah, why should uh, they? Exactly. If you pay someone to stay poor, stay poor. It just makes sense. Why do I have to do anything? Well, the whole concept of wealth building is that you're mobile. That if I wanted to sell my house today and move down and live with you uh, and the dog, uh, along with Mrs. Big. Which you should do. uh, Which I should do. I can do that. I have the wealth. I can do that. It builds. I can use the wealth and, and, and invest. And just like if, for instance, I, I, I know that I'm about to lose my job, I can go travel some other place mm-hmm. to find work. And that was done a lot in the 1930s and 40s when individuals would leave from, uh, you know, Arkansas and Mississippi and Alabama, and they would go north looking for work because they were not making any money where they were. That's right. So it removes the impetus for someone to pursue wealth. Well, let me tell you, Ken, the reason they did that was because they got hungry and they got cold at night. And there is no better motivation. There, There are three things that will motivate a man to work. One is starvation. The other is extreme temperatures. And the third is looking at your children who are hungry and cold and need, you know, shelter and clothing and food uh, to get someone to work. But if this man can get someone else to do his job for him and give him money too, then why do it? Why, why would you work if you could get 40 grand a year to do absolutely nothing, why would you work 40 hours a week to get $40,000? You know, so yeah, it makes no sense. So but this is why I say when you subsidize poverty, you get more poverty. When you subsidize laziness, you get more laziness. And this is why the Democrat Party's chief function, and most people won't look at it like this, but I do, Their chief function is to subsidize Democrats, so they get more Democrats. And that's what the whole kit and caboodle is about, a big Ponzi scheme of taking money from the productive uh, people of this country and redistributing it to Democrats so that they'll vote for them. And they've been very successful. Professor, you're making it sound like we don't care. See, we don't care because we're talking like this. Yeah, uh, and you're right. Uh, you know, to an extent, I really don't. It's not in my self-interest to care. Um, but it is in my self-interest to care about my family and to take care of them. But the problem is, is now I get angry because I have to work twice as hard because I'm not just subsidizing my family and putting coats on their backs and, and a roof over their head and getting them sent to schools uh, and fed and and educated and whatnot, but I'm also having to do that for other people's kids. And that pisses me off because could you imagine the great life my kids would have if I wasn't paying for all these other people? If their people were paying for them, if their parents were paying for their stuff, I wouldn't have to, and that would leave me more money and time to spend with my kids because I wouldn't have to work as much. Uh, So I could spend more quality time with my family, and we would be able to do more quality things if I wasn't so busy having to work in order for other people not to work but still get benefits. 
which and means that, that you, you will well, be able to keep your children off the street, yep. out of trouble, wouldn't have to go to prison, so you would deduct the cost of prison and all the other community programs and recreation centers that you have to build just to keep people uh, calm. I, it, it just makes sense. Yeah. Well, we've stripped people of dignity and self-respect when you do this. And then we wonder why they resort to a life of crime. And we don't give them really enough money to live life comfortably. We just give them enough money to do things like eat and, you know, and sleep and whatnot. We put them into projects and we give them just enough money to not be able to live well. And so what do they do? These people who are incapable of functioning and working for themselves go out and get jobs off the record, uh, you know, where they're getting paid under the table. Uh, so that they can have a better life. And and that's just being done on purpose again by the Democrats. They don't want too much money or, or you're going to be comfortable and you won't you know, vote for them. So they need you to always be needing more and wanting more. And that's why they give that amount of money that they give. So what happens is these people subsidize it either by crime or by working under the books, uh, off the books for you know, legitimate businesses, which then makes them all criminals. And that's not good either. That's actually yeah. bad. And there, there's a, a cost to society, Ken, that is just immeasurable on this. But when they call us evil or uncaring or, you know, because I said earlier, it's not in my self-interest. Well, it's not. But it doesn't have to be in my self-interest. Now, as a Christian, I have a contradiction to that. I've been told to turn the other cheek. I've been told the golden rule. I've been told to, you know... Uh, care for my brother, etc. And so as a Christian through my church, a private organization, charity uh-huh. is extended. It is not the yeah. function of government to extend charity. It is not in my best interest to have government do that because it's not efficient, it costs too much, and it won't provide the right help. But more so, if all we were doing was giving people money, we weren't helping them. And that's not very Christian, it's not very charitable, and it's not very uh, uh, ethical. Proper thing to do is to, you know, instead of giving them $40,000 a year to sit around their tush and play video games and, and deal crack on the corners on Friday nights, what we should be doing is getting them set up a shower, a suit, teaching them interview techniques so they can get a job, sending them to night school. English is a second language, whatever. Uh, and, and I mean that for black people, too. English is a second language because too many people w- think that it's cool to speak eubonics or, or you know, or, or use the word be and everything. I'd be doing this, and I'd fix them to be doing that. And, and if you want a well-paying job, then you need to speak the Queen's English and articulate people. And, and – and as you know, Jesse Jackson, being a clean and articulate Negro, as he was called, uh, well, he's very wealthy. He wears suits that cost more than I earn in a year, you know, yeah. which is proof that we're keeping that black man down. But uh, the he got this money because he's articulate, and he rhymes, and he's clever, but he is articulate. And so, what we need to be what we need to be doing is teaching people how to speak proper English, how to fill out a resume, how to wear their clothes up on their rear ends, and 
and get them out there in the job market. And perhaps they shouldn't be tattooing their faces or sticking studs all over them, you know, or changing their hair to look like they're part of the LGBT community and, and you know, through dye and whatnot. And that would be more help than giving them a welfare check. I, I want to ask you real quick, um, uh, because there's also this promise, and if anybody wants you to go to the chat roll, uh, the uh, Euro Pacific Bank LTD, limited TCS chat roll, and I'll be putting it here where you can get all of the promises that were collected by the Washington Post. Uh, and the question is, are we going to hold him accountable to all these promises? One promise that he made uh, apparently was to make certain that medical marijuana was available to everybody. <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, is that the role of the federal government to make medical marijuana available to everybody? This is why I say Trump's not a constitutionalist. Um, yeah. It, that uh, it's not part of the function of government. I mean, get, give me a place in the Constitution that says a government needs to be deciding who can have marijuana and whatnot. Again, if Texas or Oklahoma or Colorado want to allow its citizens recreational marijuana or medicinal marijuana, then that's their business. But for us in Texas to be told that we have to or that we cannot offer medical marijuana to its citizens is beyond the pale. There is no authority uh, for that. You go and you look at the enumerated powers, uh, you're not going to find anything that justifies that. And so it's, uh, you know, and, and forget about whether it's moral or ethical or anything about marijuana. You know, that it's just simply not the government's role to get involved in this stuff. And, and look at all the things that hemp can do, you know, in cannabis and stuff. You know, ropes and shoes. Uh, uh, Team Focus point out Lincoln even used it, <laughs> you know, uh, hemp oils and stuff. And it's true. The government doesn't need to be in these businesses uh, or in our business. At, uh, if Texas thinks that it's bad, then the state legislature says it's bad. It's being done by people in Texas who put their butts in that office, and we've been represented. Whether we like it or not, we've been represented. And if we don't like what they're saying or doing about it, then we can fire them and put new ones in. But the central government, I don't see how it's even their role. And this is why they're so big, intrusive, and cost so much, because they are involved in this. I believe that he is going to be held accountable for these promises, Mm. uh, but they will be overlooked. Uh, if there's a significant improvement in the economy uh, and improvement in terms of job output, uh, these things will be overlooked, these promises. But I, 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 I am so fearful at the same time that while he is very conservative in terms of selection of judges, uh, he appears very liberal in other areas, and, and that scares me that someone doesn't understand that the whole gambit for him being there is to reduce the size of government to get the federal government out of people's lives so that we can be better off. I don't think he gets it. And I, well, look at what he, him and Ivanka did about child care tax credits and stuff. Again, the central government doesn't belong in this stuff. It, it simply doesn't. And 
Until we do that, we can't devolve government, we can't reduce the bureaucracy, and we can't, you know, push it back to enumerated powers. And this is why I say I don't think that Trump has any idea how the Constitution works. Yeah. He just knows what he likes, and he knows what he thinks right, and he's going to go out and do it. And uh, and he's going to do a huge job for us. That's, you know, so. All that has to happen is if the economy gets better, he'll be... You'll be all right. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to give you some scriptures tonight about God's promise. Hey, hey before you do that, Ken, uh, yes. this just out, the uh, Court of Appeals, U.S. Court of Appeals upheld a federal judge's ruling, the Ten Commandments Monument that was erected back in 2011 outside of Bloomfield City Council, uh, City Hall, that it does, in fact, violate the U.S. Constitution. Ten Commandments violates the U.S. Constitution, and I ask you, I ask you this, if the Constitution wasn't based on the Ten Commandments, what's it based on? Exactly. Now, I, 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 can I ask you, are they going to appeal that to the Supreme Court? What's that? Are they Supreme, appealing that to the Supreme Court? Uh, yeah, the U.S. Uh, Court of Appeals, I don't know if it's going to be appealed yet or not it just just decision just got handed out so uh wow. we'll have to find out uh what's going to happen you know scottsdale arizona those guys are going to have to do this uh the alliance def- def- the alliance defending freedom uh group which goes out and supports you know christians and stuff uh against the government um is involved in this and that monument and so we'll have to see uh the court ruled that that monument, which had the Ten Commandments, the Bill of Rights, Gettysburg Address, Declaration of Independence, and other things on display, uh, were establishing a state religion by doing that. And uh, so, yeah. called the Constitution. Right. Okay. <laughs> so there you go. Um, Gentlemen, I'm going to tell you, I will hold him harmless as a president. Uh, if he commits to getting rid of every single uh, evolution, constitutional evolutionist uh, from the court, yeah. every single one, and replace them with strict constructionists, uh, from the Supreme Court all the way down to the Superior Court. Uh, if he does that, for the next 40 years, we're going to be all right. <laughs> Just well... Hopefully. That's if we don't get weak enough and begin reaching across the aisle and being thankful that they like us and we want to go to their parties again. Then we screw ourselves. I just want to give you some scriptures before we go in terms of God's promises. Because if you don't hear this from anywhere else in the world or any other radio program, it's because you're not listening to New Day Black and Red on Thursday night at 9.05 p.m., Eastern Time on High Plains Pundit Media, SHR Media, and Red Nation Rising, live stream, Ustream, uh, stream. Twitter, and the whole streams, all streams. Golden uh, stream. Uh, yeah. <laughs> here are some of the promises. Romans 6.23. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Remember that always. 
there is hope in the midst of all your storms. Romans chapter 10, verse 9. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Salvation is just that quick, just that sudden, just that simple. Can I get a hallelujah from the amen corner? Amen. Hallelujah. John 14, 27. I am leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart. And the mm-hmm. peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Ladies and gentlemen, those people who are out there right now marching <laughs> and well, they're paid, first and foremost. But secondly, who have aggravated and agitated, burning places down that don't belong to them, tearing up property, stealing, and destroying. They don't have a faith so strong as to say that I know what peace is. In the midst of who gets elected to office, the peace that God gave me passes all understanding. I've got peace. It doesn't matter. God's in control. Proverbs 133. But all who listen to me will live in peace, untroubled by fear or harm. Part of the problem is we've been telling our children to hear God. We should start telling them to listen to God. Because when they listen to him, they don't have to endure beyond hearing what their professor tells them or what their best friend tells them or what they want to hear. The God that they serve will tell them what the truth is, and the truth shall make them free. Romans 8, 37 through 39, I'll leave with this. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced 